This episode of the PC Perspective Podcast is brought to you by Braintree. Even the best mobile app won't work without the right payments API. That's where the Braintree V.0 SDK comes in. One amazingly simple integration gives you every way to pay. Try out the sandbox and see for yourself at braintreepayments.com slash PCPer. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the PC Perspective Podcast. This is episode 393, recorded on March 30th. 2016. I'm Ryan Schrout. I'm Jeremy Holstrom. And I'm Josh Walrath. And I'm Alan Malventano. No, you're not. Uh, Don't even look like him a bit. No. But you're on his side of the table. (sighs) Yeah. Are you sitting on him? No. Good. No. Uh, Yeah, in more ways than one, actually. It is good. Um, So uh, we're here to do a show. We're going to talk about some computer hardware. Alan is out uh, doing things for hardware-related issues. Maybe. I don't know. I really need to check in on him. It's, it's, you know, it's like a little kid, right? Everyone's like, hey, are you doing what I told you to do? Are you doing the thing I told you to do? You know, I should probably do that with everybody, I guess. Um, Josh, I'm looking at you. Yeah, you should. How's the snow? Snow is nice. <laughs> so it's what about eight inches now? You've got eight inches of snow. I went to the zoo today, and I had sure to mow my lawn last night. And and what'd you say, Jeremy? And I had to mow my lawn last night. I had yes, my my yard was cut today, not by me because it was so tall that I could not have run my own lawnmower through it. Uh, it took wimp. the big industrial stuff. No, not so much wimp as um, didn't want to take four hours to do it, where you push it one mower length and then have to unclog it and then push it one mower length and unclog it. Uh, Good old days. Yeah. But it was like, what did it get up to here today, Kevin? Seven, or Ken, 70? Oh, no, I didn't make it outside all day. You didn't make it outside. It was a really nice Some of day. us were working instead of gallivanting at the zoo. I would uh, Trust me, I didn't want to be at the zoo. Everybody and their nine children... We're at the zoo today because it was a nice day. It's spring break for a lot of the kids here. Um, and then we went to like a second or tertiary parking lot at the zoo. Uh, but it was fun. It's nice. Uh, but we're not here to talk about the zoo and the amazing um, elephants, giraffes, and uh, red pandas that we saw. We're here instead to talk about computer hardware. Before we do that, I want to remind everybody, we record the show live on uh, Wednesday nights, 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific. Um, I did update the website, so the countdown timer was the correct hour as of today. So if you depend on that and, and it got screwed up because of me, sorry. It'll be good for at least the next six months or so. <clears throat> and every time I have to go change the code for it, I forget how to do it. So there's that. Uh, but if you need a reminder, if you need a reminder about when we're doing it uh, and you don't want to depend on the countdown timer, you can go to not Sebastian Peak. You can go to this webpage here. At pcper.com slash subscribe, you sign up for our mailing list, we send you a note. I had a little bit of a screw-up today where uh, some weird HTML got put into it from some uh, plug-in I have. And I, I, think, I think Josh was trying to fish everyone. Josh, yeah. Uh, yes. And so uh, the, the, the droplet, the, the server we have uh, running, our email server thing crashed, and we had to resend the email. So if you got two, I apologize. Uh, but you should have gotten at least one. 
Um, and now we'll tell you when we're going to do our live streams. And we had, uh, over the last week, we did two additional live streams, one for the Rift, one for the Vive. Um, and if you were on our mailing list, you would have known about those immediately because it was something we just kind of decided to do an hour or two hours beforehand. So pcpro.com slash subscribe, sign up for that. And also, uh, I want to remind people that if uh, you enjoy what we do, if you like the live streams, if you like the videos, if you like the articles, uh, if you like Josh's head, um, you can go to, and I meant his, like, this face area. The actual physical, not the ability to. Right. Uh, If you go to (laughs) patreon.com. If you go to patreon.com slash PCPer, you get this webpage here, uh, which allows you as a viewer, reader, fan um, to uh, uh, help us out by giving kind of a recurring monthly contribution. We are at $21.41 a month now. We kind of stalled for a little bit here, so we're trying to get some more people interested in it. We're trying to get to that 3000 mark. If we get the 3000 mark, that's when we're going to guarantee that we will do our weekly write-in show, our re- weekly question and answer. Um, uh, what do you call it? What's the advice, the famous advice column? Um, dear Dear Ann. Dear Abby. Dear Abby. Yeah. I, I think that's I think that's a bit different. We'll do a Dear Abby with Josh every week. <laughs> you well, want my husband often comes home late for work. Smell like pansies. <laughs> uh, if you want to know about life advice or computer advice, Josh and I and Jeremy and maybe Alan, but Sebastian, can we can all help you uh, with that. So anybody that contributes to that, we greatly appreciate it. We, we appreciate the support. Anybody that does it uh, while we're on the live stream or on the podcast, I'll get a notification. I will shout you out during the show. And if you have some <laughs> funny uh, numeric value, we've had people who have uh, contributed 4321. Maybe that was maybe 321 or we had 666. Nine ninety nine, nine ninety nine would be a good one as well. Uh, so again, patreon.com slash PCPer, we appreciate the support. Let's get into the stuff for this week. Um, first up, we're gonna we're gonna complete the trifecta, the set of VR builds that we had uh, last week. We talked about a nine hundred dollar and a fifteen hundred dollar VR system build. This is a twenty five hundred dollar system build. Uh, so it's basically higher end parts. Uh, more budget, and, and again, keep in mind that we we created this budget before we picked our parts. It was like okay, nine hundred had a very specific p- uh, point for it, and then we took fifteen and twenty five because they're just other price points that seem to be fairly even, well rounded, and fairly common. Uh, you can see our breakdown here. We had a Core i seven fifty nine thirty k, an ASUS X ninety nine motherboard with USB three point one, sixteen gigs of Corsair Dominator memory, uh, a GTX nine eighty Ti Strix from ASUS, a five hundred twelve gig Samsung nine fifty Pro Western Digital four terabyte red. Uh, Corsair HX750i Platinum, Corsair H100i V2 cooler, uh, and a Corsair Carbide 600C chassis, which I really, really, really like a lot. Now, some people pointed out um, that this, the difference between the 5930 and the 5820K is about a hundred and something dollars, hundred and thirty dollars, I want to say. Um, and you're really only losing a hundred or two hundred megahertz worth of clock speed, um, and that's fine. Like. If you, if you want to, if you're building this system, you say, "Hey, I can get essentially very, very close performance, or almost the same performance if you overclock, or a little bit more if you overclock." Obviously, um, the 5820K is still an unlocked part. You save 100 and what do I say here? 100 to 150 dollars 
uh, in price, you can absolutely do that. There's no real disadvantage other than you're dropping from 40 lanes of PCI Express to 28 lanes of PCI Express. Not a big deal for single GPU. If you want to do dual GPU and like multiple PCI SSDs or something like that, then you start to get into, you know, how many PCI Express lanes you're using. Um, 28 is probably fine for the most part. Uh, also point out really here, the some people said, hey, you can get if you if you cut out the 5830 or the 5930K, and maybe you get different memory or different cooler or whatever it is, cheaper case. You can actually add a second 980Ti, which you absolutely can do inside that budget if you wiggle some things around. Um, but I don't think that the benefits of multi GPU uh, are really useful in VR today. In fact, I know they're not useful today in VR because uh, you don't implement SLI or Crossfire in the same way that you do uh, with VR as you do with, with, with traditional games. It's a much more complicated thing. Uh, it's kind of on a game-to-game basis. Um, so at this point, I would very much recommend not buying two 980 Ti's. There's, always, there's already people who think buying one 980 Ti at this point when we know in summer, uh, late summer, whatever it is, we're going to see new GPUs from AMD and NVIDIA. Uh, buying two, even more so, would be kind of detrimental. You know, isn't the 850 Evo pretty much about the same speed as an 850 Pro? I mean, Pro is faster. This is 950 Pro. Oh, no, I thought it said 850 yeah. on that. Did it nope. say 850? No. Nope. Did, did I say 850 out loud? If I did, I meant 950. Oh. So it's the, it's the NVMe PCIe SSD. Gotcha. Well, that's a big difference then. Yeah, it's a big difference yeah. in performance. But, again, honestly, if, if, if you're trying to, to save on, your, on, a, on a budget, um, you could get rid of that and get a get a 500 gig 850 evo for 150 it's, bucks yeah and it's and it's less money and it's going to be slower but it's going to be pretty good like it's going to be fast and you're going to have the same capacity you might even be able to go up to the one terabyte 850 evo uh if you weren't kind of itching to get two gigs and two gigs per second read speeds for example right so there, there i mean anytime you get into the higher priced system there's a lot of things that are hey you could do this if you want to change this or you want to focus on this you want more capacity you're not worried about performance um you know much more so than we could do in like a 900 hundred dollar system where we're very much restricted on what we could what we could select uh we ran performance tests we ran um obviously the uh, uh vr steam vr performance test we got a score of 11 um the highest score you can get i really liked building in the in the Corsair Carbide 600C. It's one of those uh, 180 degree rotated and also flipped. So the windows on the right hand side of the case when you look at the case, as opposed to the left hand side. Uh, working in it was really nice. Still plenty of space. It took a little bit of like a mental rotation to to figure out where everything went the first time. But once you get in the flow of it, it's just you know you just have a case sitting on the side of it uh, and ready to go. And again, this isn't a a, a complement to as he scrolls back up here our um, and $2,500 VR builds. Anybody have any, any of you guys have thoughts on on this build or any of the other three builds we did before we move on to talk about the other stuff of the week? No, they look good. It's, it's, uh, you know, it's a good slice of, uh, of hardware there and it gives you a good idea of, of, you know, kind of the performance goals that uh, you should be aiming at for those price points. And certainly you can swap some, you know, parts in and out for each one. And I know that in the uh, video that you had put up, a lot of people said, well, this, this, and this instead. And, and yeah, that's the point is, is, you know, you kind of set a foundation and say, you know, you're kind of aiming for this and how you get there is. Yeah. You're, you're not going to get a PC per approved sticker to put on the side of it. Sorry. 
No, no, we if, if you mess with our setups. Well, we'll think about sending one if you go exactly the same way. Yeah. But apart from that, I was just amazed at how well the 900 built did. Yeah. For 900 bucks, hey, you're, well, minus, of course, your headset of choice, you're ready for VR, uh, which also means if you've got a decent system which needs an upgrade, for 900 bucks, you can probably get the VR uh, goggles and the upgrade you need to be doing it, right. which is good. Yeah. It's uh, it's interesting, and actually, um, we just go into the to the next set of our, our stories here. So we actually had uh, some hands-on time with an HTC Vive Pre, which is the pre uh, would you call it like the pre-release version, the one they sent out to press several weeks ahead of oh, time. Oh, I thought it was one the one running WebOS. Yeah, it was running WebOS. Okay, so it's built pre, by yeah. Palm. Yeah. Um, no, HTC wouldn't wouldn't be happy about me saying that. So it's an HTC uh, Vive Pre, which is the Steam VR, the Valve backed one. Um, we got some time in with that. We did a about an hour and twenty minute live stream with this device. Uh, basically showed. Oh, hey, look! Did you guys know that PC Reflective Podcast is live right now? Um, hmm. We went through a little bit of the setup. We showed you how the room setup works in that. Um, we showed you how, uh, uh, you know, easy, not really games, but like, uh, what, what's it called? Um, what's this, what's this thing I'm looking at called tilt, tilt brush, uh, works and how you can draw and be not artistic in 3d space. We go through job simulator, which is really funny. Space pirates, uh, space pirate training VR. You know, a lot of these are tech demos. The one thing, um, that I really did like, what was this called? This was called, uh, I can never remember the name of this game. It's so like kind of generic sounding that it's not it's not memorable. Uh, I want to say blank space, but I know that's not it. Something to do with their resume or something, isn't it? I forget. I, I don't know. I don't know. Um, it's it's a really cool game. It was it was the one thing I played on the Vive that was like a game game as opposed to like a, oh this could turn into a game like i solved puzzles you know i found keys unlocked things fought uh enemies those types of deals uh and uh i actually thought it, it worked really 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 well um now it's really annoying me budget cuts budget cuts is that kind of a generic sounding name a bit to anybody else i don't know uh so i played some of that we played some selfie tennis uh, Ken got in there. He played some selfie tennis. And I like how you're killing all the uh, the tennis ball head people. Man, that turned out to be way more fun than I thought it was going to be. <laughs> Man, was that! I way like more all the, fun. the the corpses just sitting around the. Uh... Yeah. Every time yeah, you hit one of the corpses, uh, you get you can like yeah like that like you throw your racket at them. Ugh, they make a noise. I was able to hit one like off of the uh, off the side of the uh, uh, field as well. It worked really well. It was fun. Again, like I don't know how long I would want to play that game for, um, but you know it's there. Uh, what else did you do, Ken? You played some selfie tennis and you did some hover junkers here at the end. I managed to uh, cut my hand playing selfie tennis. Yeah, he did. He did like wave his hand in front of him uh, and then hit the table, right? Yeah. Even though the table, even Ow. though the bounds were definitely there. Right, but yeah. he went through the bounds very quickly. It's like a dog running through an electric fence. And <laughs> you only do fence. it once. You yelp as you go through, but damn it, you're through. It was very much uh, a scenario kind of like that. Um, so we, the, the, the Vive Pre, uh, the, the kind of early edition, so it's not final hardware, it's not final software. Um, 
all that can change between now and the in the April 5th actual release. But we had a lot of fun with it. Like, it was really cool. The room space setup was fairly easy. You need a lot more space, I feel like, than you might picture in your mind how much space you need for, like, a room space VR. Uh, having tall ceilings is helpful. Like, if you're reaching up to smack a tennis racket or something like that. Uh, that's, you mean the ceiling fan right above my head is is probably going to be a bad thing that, in VR? That would probably be a negative. Uh, yeah, uh, that's that's very true. But it's odd because I almost feel like people have uh, because of the Oculus Touch demos and these Vive uh, Vive demos in the writing about those people, a lot of people are just kind of assuming that, Oh yeah, VR is you've got these touch controllers and you've got this headset. Whereas really only the pre is launching with that, right? The, the pre is the only thing launching with the controllers. The rift is coming, uh, or is out now without the controllers. And it's just kind of the headset and you're using mouse keyboard or an Xbox controller or whatever. Um, Everything seemed to perform well. Uh, I think we did all the Vive Pre demoing on our $1,500 VR system build. So it wasn't the high end, but it wasn't the low end. Um, I'm trying to think now. What else stood out to you, Ken? Anything stood out about the about the Pre, the Vive Pre? Uh, the had? game we played yesterday was pretty cool. You can probably Google that. What was that called? Audio Shield. See, this Audio is a very Shield. literal title. This is a rememberable It's called title. Audio Shield, and it's a rhythm-based game. You can go to the Steam page, and you can pull up a trailer. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, it's the first rhythm game I've seen in VR, which sounds like, well, I guess Rock Band VR is a thing. Yeah. That they're Audio demoing. Audio Shield. Yes, it is very literal, now that I know uh, what the game is. So this is a rhythm-based game where you're holding uh, the controllers that turn out to be shields this is not the steam page um they turn out to be like little shields and you're blocking uh why isn't this working you're blocking like notes as they fly across the screen at you essentially yeah so i believe it's the same developers as audio surf if not like if yeah it, it sounds if, familiar if it's not the same entire team it's at least people that worked on it they said they've improved sort of the algorithm to tweak it yeah. more for this sort of game but essentially you import a track or they Here have you tracks you can you can just stream from soundcloud and it makes sort of the note pattern out of it and you're so you have a red shield and a blue shield here, yeah. And you're blocking the you know the notes with the corresponding color. If you see a purple one, you you hold both of them together, and it will block them. And you can see what's interesting is like there's haptic feedback as well. Like the the notes that have tails uh, vibrate more. You saw one at the beginning where you kind of have to move your shield uh, in kind of an arcing pattern as well. It was pretty neat, and it got it, as you can see, it's getting pretty intense here. Yeah, I played one song in hard mode yesterday, and it kicked my butt yeah yeah if you got a cold or something like ken it, 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 i have trouble breathing not, through your nose <laughs> i was just not that coordinated to begin with as it turns out so, so how is it cool. on benadryl oh the best everything's the best and so this is this is pretty much just like a a concept right like oh uh, i mean is it something you can download and play but it's not something you can buy right well, it's a five game, so you can't buy any of them. Right well, now. that's true. I, I imagine they'll be there for long. Available April 2016 yeah. is what it says. So, I'll be curious what kind of music it has. If it's all, um, uh, you know, like free music or stuff off of uh, uh, SoundCloud or whatever. It's kind of you know what, you know what the best thing about like the vibe is. No, well I <clears throat> I do, but you tell me. We're going to have skinny nerds now. No, we're not. <laughs> because they're actually up. And <laughs> no. <nope. laughs> Just going to eat more. Doing aerobics. Yeah. 
because you know, like DDR and motion controllers made us all skinny, right? Well, I never played that. Just so. more, just more hot pockets. Exactly, <laughs> more yeah. hot pockets. Um, now we also tried out the Rift on Monday. Um, uh, the retail Rift started shipping to the. I think the Kickstarter backers got them first. I was one of the Kickstarter backers. It showed up on Monday. We did a live stream of that as well, kind of going through that whole setup process. Um, uh, kind of troubleshooting the fact that we were trying to use a secondary audio source as opposed <laughs> to the primary audio source. But this time, we mixed in a green screen, so it's like I'm in the world of Windows. It's pretty amazing, huh, guys? Man, we should have done the podcast this way. We should we should have done the podcast like this. We could just, like, whatever's on my screen is behind us while we talk. Yeah. I thought about that because I could point to individual I'll things. I and- green screens, and then you just composite us all together so it looks yeah. like we're in the same room. Yeah, there you go. Uh, so we went through this this stuff here. The the, the early demos they have are, are pretty cool. Um, we played Lucky's Tale. We played Eve Valkyrie. Um, we played – what else did we actually play? We played Eve Valkyrie for a while as I scrubbed through this. It's really cool and it's interesting. I think you should, you should, you should really watch the video. I know it's long. It's almost two hours. Um, but it's it goes through like, okay, it's a lot of the setup process but then – what is the consu- what are you seeing on this viewport window versus what am I seeing? You know, Ken and I kind of go back and discuss that a little bit back and forth. Um, this is all the time where I didn't have Lucky's frame framed correctly while uh, Ken was playing it. This is like a platformer, right? Uh, that Ken really seemed to like, right? Yeah, I, I, you kind of had to rip me out of that. I was just uh, what what was doesn't look there like Sonic and, at right? all. So I found out that one of the guys that works for Oculus Game Studios is like one of the was one of the team like project leads on like Crash Bandicoot and Jack and Daxter and stuff. Okay. And it very oh, much okay. feels like, I don't know how much he was involved with this, but it feels like it. Right. And then we uh put Alan in there, strapped Alan in, if you will, and he played some Defense Grid two, uh, which is kind of like a PC uh tower defense game that was pretty cool. He seemed to be pretty impressed. By the integration, you know, the game is essentially the same. The maps are tweaked, uh, little things added here and there, but the, you know, the gameplay, the fundamental gameplay is the same, but now you're interacting with it in a different way. And, and these are all games, again, these don't use touch controllers. These are all, um, we're all, we were using an Xbox One controller that ships with the Rift um, for that. Uh, and it seemed to, to work, again, really, really well. If I were to, I know we've had requests to like compare and contrast our experiences with the two devices, and they're just really, really different. Um, I'm hopeful that the Vive Pre uh, screen will improve between now and the final retail unit, uh, because I did think, and Ken, you can tell me if you agree or not. I think the screen on the Rift was better. Like the yeah. there was less screen door effect. Either the screen or the optics or. The combination. Yeah, whatever I was rather. seeing looked better on the Rift than it does on the Vive. Um, I, I I noticed it again yesterday. I had some weird effect with the Vive where when it was like drawing just a black screen, there was like a weird parallax. I don't know. It was. I, yeah. The lenses I, were interacting with the black screen in a weird way that was throwing. And, and the off. lenses could change, and the screens could change, and, and kind of the patterns can change in there. Um, and, and, and it's possible they may add like post processing of some kind into that. I don't know what the Rift is doing exactly, um, but uh, in, in general, I really I think the Rift has a better screen, but I think the Vive has a better experience because. The the Vive like if you if you download a game that plays with a controller or a mouse and keyboard you can play that on the Vive 
right? Um, but if you want a room scale type experience and you have the space and capability for it, even if it's just every once in a while, only the Vive will do that well, until September, October, whenever Oculus yeah. Rift actually ships those, those controllers. Um, now, if you haven't pre-ordered one of these devices, you may be waiting for that long anyway to get any of them, to be fair. Um, but, I, you know, the, to me it comes down to the games and honestly having it being Wednesday and we got in the Rift Monday and, and had a whole bunch of other stuff going on, um, I haven't spent the time with the Rift to decide if it is in its current state with the allotment of games assigned to it. Is it a good purchase? If, if you could go to Best Buy today and pay five ninety nine for one, should you do it? Uh, if you're not like just wowed by the tech, which is something that I am, right? Like as a as just kind of a tech enthusiast. Um, I, I don't know. Is this? I mean, can thoughts on that or anybody else? Like, is this something you would want to buy or it's, be willing to go out and buy if you could buy it today if there wasn't supply constraint? It's it's interesting. I l- kind of lean towards the Rift as the one I'd want to own. Okay. It 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 feels like a better product. I like it's a lot lighter. It's way more comfortable to me. That could just be my personal preference. The Vive was actually a bit tight on me. I could never get it in the right position. Yeah. The the like the nose piece kind of was digging into me, and I couldn't quite get it adjusted. Whereas the the Rift was pretty comfortable to me. I like. I noticed after playing that rhythm game that built-in headphones is a very nice thing because you don't have another thing to yeah. to take off and try to deal with because if you put the headphones around your neck, then you're kind yep. of so bra- the, the kind of coiling the cord of the headset to your neck so you can't quite take it off correctly. Yeah, the, the Rift, we should point out, the Rift has integrated earphones yeah. like uh, that are attached to the headset. You can remove them, which we did on the stream. You can see how we did it on the stream. It's, it's really easy to do. They're just a USB device to show up to your system. Um, uh, you can remove them and take them physically off of the head unit, and then you can use your own headphones however you want. The Vive has a um, uh, stereo headphone connector on the back of it, so you can connect your own earphones, uh, headphones, and it will ship with earbuds. I think. Yeah, right. Which would be pretty uncomfortable for. Well, I mean, long. people are used to ear like earbuds are a thing. People wear earbuds for hours now while they're doing whatever. It'll all depend on what the quality of the earbuds is. But yes, like the hassle of having to put on your headset, your HMD, your head-mounted display, and then find your headphones. You know, because once you put that on, you can't see anything anymore, especially with the Rift. With the Vive, you're supposed to have a pass-through camera, so you I can kind of... Well, even if you have a pass-through, you'll still be missing your headphones because you won't have depth perception because it's one camera. Yeah, but I mean, you turn it on, you can see them on your desk. You go, ah! If, you clo- if I close one I keep eye, reaching I can out and they're not there. I thought they phone. had binocular cameras. I don't think they do. Yeah, they're planning they on. I've seen I, pictures of them. I don't them think that none of them are integrated yet. I, I think it's one uh-huh. on the only, Vive. Only the Vive Pre has a pass-through camera, and it's... And it's one camera. No, what, what's that uh, augmented uh, thing that's also the 3D? The Sulan Q. The what? Sulan Q. Yes. That's yeah. got binocular. Yeah, but that's not a PC, like, no, hook well, up to your PC, PC head unit, right? <laughs> yeah. Like, it is its own self-contained thing. I'm just talking mm-hmm. about these two primary ones that are coming out. All of this being said, yeah, the Vive is the one to show people. Because you have the motion controllers, with, yeah, and because been, you have the room scale stuff, like you, you clean out your living, you clear out your living room, <laughs> you set up lighthouses, and you show people the vibe to show yeah. them VR. And it's it's a lot more difficult of a sell with the Rift, I think, in the current state. Like, I, I really like the Rift motion controllers; yeah. they're just not there. I, 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 it was funny. I was thinking about this earlier today, where 
I think it, to some degree that we've been talking about VR for so long, we've seen it at CESs, we've seen it at E3s, that at this point, like, head-mounted head, head display-only VR almost feels like it's out of date already. Hmm. Like, <laughs> like, oh, you don't have the touch controllers yet? Oh, you don't have, like, room-scale stuff? Oh, you're actually behind, right? And I don't think that's a f- actual, like truth but i feel like that's what it seems like to at least to those of us that have been following it for a while even if you've never demoed it like we've been seeing it like i've had dk1 for what is it three years now or at something least. like that right right and, and so it wasn't great then it's definitely a, a way better product now but essentially they're selling the same idea today for 600 bucks that they sold you you know three years ago as like this is going to be the future um, whereas it kind of feels like going from that three-year step to today, the room scale, the being able to rotate, take a couple steps in your direction is kind of like another step above it. Um, well, you can rotate uh, and take a step in directions with yeah, the Yeah, but, but I mean there's a difference you can in, absolutely in the room that. scale versus the uh, like three-by-three three scale is what they give you for yeah. the Rift. It, it's you know what? We we had issues like the space we set up. I still don't feel was too like big enough. I was when, no. I, was, when I was playing tennis. I was getting out of the range pretty quickly and yeah. hitting my hand on the table. You were really into that tennis. So. Yeah, it's but it's like you need a lot of area for this. You, you don't do. realize what four I saw, feet. I saw somebody were. in the chat say it, and uh, it was funny. I forgot who said it now, but like when you build your next house out, you're gonna have to like spec in a VR room, which is just an empty 15 by 15 I, I'm currently square. looking at rental property to move, there so you we'll go. see. Maybe I'll need to get a VR yeah. room. You just need a four-bedroom and find two roommates <laughs> instead of three or whatever it is, right? <laughs> you know, it kind of seems like some of this is like CPU development. You know, you can make a design, but to extract that last 5 to 10% of performance out there takes years yeah. and ages to do. Yeah. And it seems like they have a working product like with the DK1 – but there's probably so many little things that just didn't work well, and you probably experienced that. Because um, I know, like Carmack was talking about, how you t- tilt head down and then also you know move move your head forward, and you know have it at different angles, and that would just really kind of screw up the things, and people nauseous and, and right. uncomfortable in that. But it just seems like they had a lot of very little problems to solve that, when put together, made the Oculus, you know, the vomit comet initially. <laughs> sure. No, you're you're right. Like again, I don't want to undersell what the Rift has done because I think the Rift is an awesome product. And the fact that three years ago or whatever it was, I got a DK one. Like I said, it's it's a it's a horrible horrible device now compared to what <laughs> we have today and the experience is fundamentally better and the quality of the device is it's, better it's a completely different it's a completely now. different thing um but i don't know i'm, I'm kind of the opposite of you yeah. uh now this may well be because i've never actually played with one uh, i understand the reality of the wires coming out doesn't bother me at all because of the, the wait and see and just general difficulty added by a wireless yeah you're going to have a bunch of wires it's going to be minorly annoying you can deal with it but trying to figure out how I'm going to interact with the game, because uh, mouse and a keyboard, you just sort of get a little bit off because you can't see. You don't know if your mouse is about to fall off the table or not. Uh, <laughs> right. You're having difficulty getting back to home position on the keyboard or trying to figure out why things are doing it weird, and it's because you've managed to put right. something on the shift key, say. So in a way, I can almost say without a, a controller that's purpose-built for this, 
no matter how limited, because I mean, you, there are some limitations you should expect, but no matter how limited without something purpose built, I'd almost feel like this is still not quite ready. Well, you don't like traditional game controllers, so you've got that. Okay, yeah. no, that might work. So, but, here's but the like, thing. like what, playing what, Project don't Cars lying with around. an Xbox controller. Well, that's why Oculus includes one in the package. Oh, okay. You can't buy an Oculus without an Xbox controller. Then fair enough. I yeah. mean, at least you've got something that, it, whether I'm comfortable with it or not, that's a totally moot point. Yeah, I, I uh, mean, as like, long as there's something that is there and it's it's usable with it. Yeah, and and the thing is, right now you're not doing Twitch gaming where a mouse and keyboard are yeah. really advantageous. So the Xbox controller is definitely a passable thing. Well, here's the thing, like. Uh, the you know with the Vive you have the cool controller mapping as well. Like <clears throat> when you're in between games or you're in a game, like most of the time it lets you see a representation of the controllers in space, even if they're sitting on a desk, right? Mm-hmm. So you have a general idea of where they're at. Um, I could see it, uh, and I think the PSVR has this uh, in there already, where the controller itself shows up in the menus and in some games because it's got the light bar on it and that's yeah. how the camera can know where it is in space that's smart the xbox one controller doesn't have that capability right because there's no ir leds built into it the steam controller as far as i know doesn't have that but that'd be Actually, really cool there if there are ir leds built in the yeah. xbox one controller are there because yeah. connect uses it to tell what face is associated with what controller because you can swap it well, if that's the case the right you would think they'd be able to read that yeah. and like show it in physical space it might just be facing the wrong way and you could see uh, a future where like all the controllers you buy or keyboards or mice right have IR emitters in them right that and then there's some kind of open way for a head unit to represent them in space if we don't just get to AR instead of VR at that point but like you would want if you're playing project cars for example and you've got the rift on you would want the your steering wheel to kind of show up right you want it to be tracked you want, you want it to it model to over the steering yeah. wheel in the game because if you have your hands on the wheel and, and there's a character with their hands on the wheel and they're not your hands in the wrong places, it can seem a little bit weird. Um, but you'd like to be able to see, like, if it could have, you know, it'd probably only take four IR LEDs per keyboard, maybe two, mm. to, like, basically represent your keyboard on the on the thing. Like, oh, you know, it's it's the, the operating system knows it's a, a Corsair, you know, K70, and here's your things. And so it knows the layout, and boom, your keyboard shows up in VR. Um, now then you have to and into- not only are IR transmitters almost literally cheap as dirt, that could be your new next RGB keyboard feature. <laughs> right. I, right. Boom. A couple of those spit at IR. Don't look at it for too long. But hey, if you're wearing a Vive or an Oculus, it knows right. where it is. When you go into VR mode, the RGB LEDs on your light on your keyboard go to IR mode. That'd be cool. Yeah. Uh, and somebody- if your hands get cold, you just hold it over. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Green LED in the chat was asking what our experience was with using the cords. Um, so both the Vive and the Rift are corded devices, obviously. Uh, the uh, my solution was to for the for the Vive. Um, I ran HDMI one HDMI and one USB three extension up into the ceiling, and then I connected the breakout box in the ceiling. And had like a little hook, you know, off the lowered ceiling tiles come down. And so it left just enough slack on the cable for you to walk in the desired space. And so my thought was like keeping it off the floor would be the optimal thing if you're walking around or whatever. You're, you're going to rotate. You don't get it twisted around your legs. Um, but you it's still have less weight on your head. Uh, a little bit, yeah. And, and the problem was you still rotate, right? And so the cord still gets twisted and now it's like hitting the side of your face, 
instead because it's got some tension into the net direction or it's hitting hitting the shoulder. And now you can't set the headset down on the floor. And no one yeah. has yet developed an autoerotic asphyxiation game. So <laughs> well, you I mean, don't know it's that. too early. You don't know that. It's <clears throat> possible. Yes. But like I had – I brought my cousin uh, – no, I brought my friend and my brother-in-law over to try it out over the weekend, the Vive Pre. And they were playing – one of the zombie shooting games. I forget what it was, which one it was called. Brookhaven Experiment. And uh, my, my cousin, who was actually like a hunter and who held the flashlight and the gun in the correct way, and so it all worked <laughs> very well. It was interesting to me to watch him because he, had no, he, he doesn't play video games at all. But as soon as he saw what, what, what was going on, he knew what to do. But he was – the game is basically you're standing in this small space and zombies come at you from different angles at different speeds. But he always rotated in the same direction. And so at one point I had to like pause the game and say, hey, I need you to spin like five times the <laughs> other way uh, because the cord was getting kind of coiled up a little bit too much. That's probably an extreme case. It probably won't be something that, that happens very often. Um, yeah. But uh, it, it, it was neat, but it's still problematic. For the Rift, <clears throat> because you, you're moving less – you're still, you can still move around and stand up and, and move around a little bit. Uh, I think the cord on the floor is fine because you don't have to worry about like twisting around several times and then trying to take a step in a forward direction and maybe getting tangled up or, or falling over in it. Um, uh, but, but not so bad. Obviously, ideally, we want all this stuff to be wireless, right? Um, but latency is the, is the biggest concern now, uh, and so getting bandwidth and latency down for wireless stuff is still obviously uh, on the, uh, in the pipeline, I guess. So... There's that. You know, this <clears throat> This kind of reminds me. Yeah. Back in the day. And, and I thought this before, and then Lloyd, Lloyd Case came out with an article. And the introduction of this is very, very reminiscent of, of 3D hardware acceleration in 95, 96. You have multiple vendors with different ideas how and do things. There's, there's no set way or API, I guess you could say. I mean, there sort of is, but not really. I mean, you're developing for Oculus, you're developing for Five, and uh, very few are, are, are getting both of those together. And it's kind of like the, the API Wars. It had Glide, and you had S3 Metal, and you had um, <clears throat> Redline, and ATI Rage. I can't, I can't think it was their, their thing was called. But, uh, you know, the hardware's expensive. It was out of the reach of, of a lot of people at that time. Because, you know, why would you spend 300, 400 bucks on a, a 3D video card that you would only use in a couple of games? I mean, when I had my Orchid Righteous 3D uh, that had the physical switch that when you went into 3D that would actually click, <laughs> and then you'd play all these other games, you'd never hear a click, and you'd be so disappointed. It's like, I just bought this. Why, no. why aren't you, you know? Know an early DirectD or, or Glide game? Why, why can't I hear this click and get better better graphics? It it kind of seems like that. It's it's you know there's not many titles, but the guys who are doing it are seemingly doing it really right. It's not these chintzy cheap implementations that's going to cause a lot of nausea and vomiting and and fatigue. Uh, but they're well thought out, well designed, low latency. Uh, they've identified a lot of the problems that uh, would cause a lot of discomfort and, uh, you know, pulling you out of the, the game, so to speak, with artifacts and, and crap like that. Right. But, uh, yeah, for 600 bucks for one and then, 
Well, we're expecting what nine hundred for the Vive. Uh, it's seven ninety nine. Seven ninety nine, eight hundred bucks. Yeah. Um, you know, that's a significant amount of money. So if you look at a uh, a, a Voodoo in in late, was it uh, you know early nineteen ninety six? It was a four hundred dollar part. And when we start looking at inflation, that's about the same price as as the Oculus. Sure. So you know, it's a chunk of change to spend, but. I'm hoping it's it's going to be worth it and take off. I mean, I could so see a fun things you could do, not just in games, but in social activities yeah. that uh, I mean, th- you could use VR with. And I think that's why Facebook bought them up, oh, is yeah. the, the social aspects of being in virtual worlds and, and being in a what would seem a similar space to your friends doing things together. Mm-hmm. Socially transmitted dystopias. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I I will say, like, uh, the other thing that I'm interested in is kind of the virtual desktop side stuff, too. Um, Mm. I just had a couple of minutes to play around with it on – did I do it on the Vive or the Rift? On the Vive. um, Where you can run a virtual desktop. And essentially the idea is you can have an unlimited number of monitors or one enormous monitor in space, Right. Uh, at basically any resolution, uh, well, effective resolution, I guess, uh, but the resolution of your, you know, your HMD will differ. And so I think I set it up as just one display where you had this big curved display, and you can look around at all the different spaces. And you know, you want to put, I want to put all my messaging over here, and all you do is look over there, and it's there. Now that all depends on uh, would I be comfortable wearing the headset for extensive number of hours, like as long as I'm at the office, or you know, well, three or four hours at a time. Didn't the defense grid too? When you got back into the command and ship, they had that same kind of thing. You had that big screen in front of you that was your desktop, and yep. you looked to the side, and yep. they had instructions there. And then you had the other side, you, you know, what key bindings. I mean, you had all that stuff just kind of right there in this virtual environment. It's fun. It is, and it, and it could be really cool. Um, the whole idea of 360 video is interesting. I, I think there's a lot of places for this to go. We're really, really, really just the beginning. Um, and I, I'm curious to get my hands on a retail Vive. Like I said, we have the Vive Pre. I don't know what the changes are yet. Um, so the retail Vive will, will be out next Tuesday, April 5th, I think, yeah. is when they said those should start mm-hmm. arriving to the first pre-orderers. Um, so I think that'll be... Interesting to say the least. Uh, anybody pre-order one? Anybody else in this podcast? No, not a chance. No, no, no. I, I paid off debt. The uh, the three hundred dollars <laughs> that I invested in Oculus Kickstarter three something years ago turned out to be pretty valuable. It was a good. It was a good investment, actually. As it turned out, got a free six hundred dollars headset. The only Kickstarter that was ever a good investment. The only Kickstarter that was ever a good investment. True. Uh, all right, let's jump through a couple uh, real quick. I'll just show uh, Maury posted a review of the Reven Four Eyes Touch Fan Controller. That's, That's not right. a very nice name. It's very impolite. Well, but it's made by Six Eyes. It's, I, it's, it's close. So it's, this is $49. It's been a long time since I've looked at a fan controller. I don't know. I'd have to see this in person to see if the blue in me will get along. Uh, <laughs> but you get 2.5 amps per channel. That seems like a lot. Temperature range up to 99C. That seems like that should be enough as well. Um, it fits in a five and a quarter inch bay. You can see all the different uh, connectors and stuff you've got here. Um, Josh, when's the last time you used a fan See, controller? six eyes. Oh my god, you're um, right. You weren't even kidding. The six size three. 
I've never used a fan controller. Really? Yep. I have one in my uh, my place behind me. Yeah. With everything place. else I've ever collected, but I've never actually used it. Jeremy, I had one on an old Thermaltake monstrosity. Yeah. Uh, I'm trying to remember what the name of it was. Uh, but it was like an EATX case, and it was kind of handy because that damn thing had about a dozen bright orange fans in it. And you, right. you could crank it up when you were actually gaming or doing something, and when you wanted it to be quiet, you could make it quiet. And this must be seven years ago, and I haven't used one since. I haven't used one in a long time either. Uh, this one's SATA power. You don't have to have a Molex connector or a floppy connector. That's a plus. Appreciate that. Right? Uh, looks like you can change the color on it. Um, yeah, there's six or seven colors, I think he said. Okay. Yep, there we go. There's some colors. Ooh, red one. Harder to see. Bright blue blinding you in the night is the color I prefer, for sure. Uh, fairly simplistic. comes with all the... <clears throat> excuse me, extension cables you need for the data uh, and then obviously the temperature probes and stuff. It, it, I would agree it's also been a very long time since I've done this. Maury is doing in the case modding. This is probably, if you go to QuakeCon, chances are you'll see this device sitting in his system somewhere uh, if, I were, if I were to guess. Um, so Something to do with your drive bay. Something, yeah, if you've got a 500 quarter inch drive bay in your system and you hate optical drives or you have one optical drive and you have five drive bays or three drive bays uh, this will give you something to do with it I don't know a, a lot of cases integrate fan controllers but this is obviously going to have a lot more granular support uh, and stuff like that but I also understand the idea of hey maybe software based ones uh, are really the way to go here uh, let's see here we are going to take a why does this there it is take a quick break here and thank today's podcast sponsor. That's right, everybody. Our good friends from Braintree Payments are back. This episode of the PC Perspective Podcast is brought to you by them, those very people, Braintree, Braintree Payments. By next year, maybe even next week, there could be a whole new way to pay for stuff. I'm interested in that. Maybe it will be the next Bitcoin. It could be the next Apple Pay or maybe a combination of both. Fortunately, Braintree's full-stack payment platform is easily adaptable to whatever the future holds. Whatever the future holds, Josh. Uh, so you can adapt easily as well. Accept everything from Pounce to PayPal to the next big innovation from any device uh, with just one integration. And when that new payment method comes out, all you have to do is update a few lines of code. No late nights, no complicated record, uh, recording or recoding. No stress about staying ahead of the curve. Braintree Payments is here to help. Here to help. Man, I'm not, uh, I'm not on top of this today. Learn more at braintreepayments.com slash pcper. Braintreepayments.com slash pcper. Uh, it is a simple, secure payment solution with easy-to-integrate code, guys. If you don't have time, this is for apps or websites. If you don't have time, you can give them a call. They'll walk you through it. They'll actually even do it for you, uh, I think. Braintree Code supports Android, iOS, and JavaScript clients. Uh, .NET, Node.js, Java, Perl, PHP, Python, and Ruby. Uh, SDKs in all those languages, and it has elegant code with clear documentation. And as due to recent events, I am a fan of elegant documentation and code. BraintreePayments.com slash PCPer, and we thank them for their support of the PC Perspective Podcast. All right, so uh, quickly we will also touch on uh, Lee posted a review. Uh, oh, wait, no. I had these out of order. 
EVGA. We had a couple of EVGA items on the list today. We're going to start with uh, a laptop. Did you know EVGA made laptops, guys? I know they make sweet stickers for laptops. True. And you know, I might have seen an EVGA laptop at CES. (gasps) Maybe. You did see one. Along with a sound card. Did they release a sound card today? Not yet. Not yet. When they do, inside the laptop. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So this is the EVGA SC17 gaming notebook. We did see this first at CES. It's a large machine, 17.3 inch uh, uh, ultra. That should be Ultra HD instead of UDH. Uh, But it's a 4K screen, 17.3 inch display. Uh, Spec wise, you've got a Core i7 6820K, so it's high end Skylake. Quad-core, hyper-threaded, unlocked as well. 32 gigs of DDR4 memory. 256-gig PCIe SSD. Uh, I believe it was a Samsung 950 Pro in our unit. And then a 1 terabyte, 7200 RPM hard drive. Um, like I said, you got the 4K screen. You've got two USB 3.0, one USB 3.1. The USB 3.1 is Type-C, which is nice. Uh, one HDMI 1.4 output, two mini display port outputs, one of which supports external G-Sync displays. Uh, Windows 10 based, obviously. The GPU in this baby is a GeForce GTX 980M. So it's not the full size 980, which is worth pointing out, but it is the 980M. So uh, you're going to get performance just a little bit below maybe a desktop GTX 970 graphics card. It's kind of the equivalent performance characteristics there. Um, but overall, a pretty killer system. The use of a 4K screen is interesting because obviously that GPU is not going to be able to play games at 4K. So what you will do instead, I think, I hope, is play the games at 1080p, uh, and it will scale 4 to 1, essentially, on that display. And we did that. Uh, I did that with Rise of the Tomb Raider, GTA V. Uh, it looked fantastic, and it ran great as well. Uh, the design of the laptop itself is is pretty nice. It's fairly thin laptop, you know, for a 17-inch gaming device. Uh, it's got a full-size keyboard with a numpad on there. Fairly sizable touchpad. Uh, pretty good-sounding speakers. They're still laptop speakers, but they sound really good for laptop speakers. <clears throat> still got the Kensington Lockport. <laughs> yeah, I, don't, I wonder how much does, does that company get. But they got get. two of them. Wait, what? Really? Scroll up. A little bit. Now down. There. Look, that is actually a great idea. Why is it a good idea? Because sometimes you have your laptop. Some people put the laptop on the left side of their desk. Some people put it on the right side of their desk. Yeah, but who locks their laptop down? People. (laughs) I just had a request today for one. I mean, I've never done it, but in theory, like, Uh, it costs them nothing to put on it. So it might as well be on both sides. So it's always most convenient. That's fair. It costs them nothing. They probably get money for that. (laughs) No, I mean, I, I bet they have to pay a licensing. Licensing. Oh hell no! And Kensington's like, oh, we don't want to go. What uh, kind of bankrupt. reviewers we don't are you that you miss such an important feature? <laughs> the dual Kensington lock. It's true. Uh, I was more focused on how thin and svelte it is. One point zero five inches thick. <laughs> chamfered at its uh, at, with the chamfered edges. Um, at the EVGA light on the back is actually an independent LED. It's not like the backlight <laughs> bleeding through, which is interesting because you can turn it on and off independently. Uh, there's your chamfered edge, Ken, right there. Uh, it's 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 a unibody design, kind of a metal. Uh, it's, it's all it's all metal. The body's all metal. You can open it with one finger. You know, like you don't have to worry about using two hands to open it up, which is you know, just one of those nice touches. Uh, this is the power button. The little tiny pinhole above it is actually a BIOS reset switch. 
Oh. So you stick how's, it. How's the BIOS battery placement? Uh, BIOS battery placement is actually pretty good. You just have to take off the back panel uh, first. The keyboard is really good as well. There's a lot of throw in the keys. They're scissor switches, but they're they're actually still uh, pretty impressive. Uh, like I said, integrated speakers sound pretty good, all things considered. It's a great design. Uh, it weighs eight eight and a half plus pounds, so it's a, it's a heavy beast. Uh, it has a interesting um, power adapter, which I happen to have sitting here on the desk. This is the power adapter. I want to know what you guys think about it. So if you look at that's it, that's a CD-ROM. That's one of the power adapters. How many watts? Uh, 240 watts. Yeah, because I've have Dell 160 watts, and they're pretty yeah. big. That's that's impressive. That's, so it's wider. It's like a square. Like it's an odd shape, but it's very thin. Uh, and I and I think this is a really good idea because it's it's thin enough to like if you've got a backpack or whatever satchel you're putting it in. This to me is a more comfortable form factor for that than a kind of a, a big old power brick. brick. Yeah. yeah, but no, that's like two of those Dell 165s side by side. Yeah, and so I, I think it's I think that's a nice little. Uh, thing they did. Uh, I, I mentioned a BIOS. It actually has a full UEFI implementation that you can access by pounding on that F2 key during startup. Um, and you can overclock like the wind. You can overclock like the wind. It's got manual controls in there for CPU because it's an unlocked part. And you can actually overclock the GPU in the BIOS, uh, wow. which I, I kind of appreciate that as well. But the easier way is to use the new EVGA Precision Mobile software. Uh, which, again, you can adjust CPU and GPU independently. Uh, but maybe more interesting is it just kind of because because EVGA, there's only one skew of this guy. EVGA knows the CPU and they know the GPU. They just kind of preset your overclock. So uh, it went to, uh, it overclocked the CPU from uh, when all cores, all threads running, it was running at 3.2 gigahertz stock. And then it went to 3.8 gigahertz with the overclock. Right, with just kind of hitting a button to go up to the overclock, and then the GPU offset was 76 megahertz, and uh, the memory GPU offset was 200 megahertz on its overclock. So pretty impressive. You know, obviously the machine gets louder, gets a little hotter when you do that, as you would expect. Uh, but you're seeing like a 20% increase in CPU performance when that occurs, and you get a uh, seven to eight uh, percent performance improvement in games like Rise of the Tomb Raider. Uh, you can see that here. You've got uh, 1080p very high. Uh, going from 54 to 58 or so frames per second, GTA 5, 55 to 59. Uh, this is kind of interesting. Uh, I ran, even though uh, the 980M is not on the list of kind of VR-approved GPUs by anybody, I ran uh, the Steam VR performance test on the left stock and on the right overclocked, and it, that overclocking was just enough to get it over that edge <laughs> into the green to be VR-ready. Like pixel? Maybe a couple of pixels. Maybe maybe just a couple of pixels. Um but that's actually, you know, again, kind of showing you the potential benefit of overclocking on it. And you could probably push this GPU a little bit further, right? Uh, and despite what the screenshots there show where the GPU is being run as an HD 530, that's just <laughs> – you had to go into those into the system properties or into the control panel for an NVIDIA GPU and tell it to run on the discrete GPU for that. But it did. It did work. Um, so that was, that, was, that was pretty impressive. Battery life. Uh, not great. You're going to get about 200 minutes of battery life on web browsing on it, and that is with a 74. Point... Somebody, you all right over there? Sorry, I have cats <coughs> that are having a good time behind me. Yeah? I'll go ah. take care of that. Okay, you do that. Uh, <laughs> that 200 minutes of web browsing, 
I feel like we should all spy on Josh, but maybe I'm good. Maybe not. Uh, that is with a nearly 75 watt hour battery. Um, so battery life, not great, not, but not expected to be great with uh, a mobile gaming machine. We did crack it open. You can see the battery, the hard drive, uh, the M.2 SSD or GPUs under this heat sink or processors under that one. Um, Shared heat pipes? Uh, yes. So okay. there's, there's three that go through the GPU cooling and two that go through the CPU cooling, but they're all connected in one big system huh. um, for sure. Inter- another interesting kind of point when we tore it apart was that there's clearly a place on this PCB for a second M.2 port. Um, that EVGA is either going to do in a future design or they decided against it for whatever reason. So they've got one 256 gig SSD here. We could add a second. We could have added a second one. Maybe they will in the future and, and do RAID configurations or something like that. Um, that's kind of neat to see. We talked about the power supply already. Uh, pricing. This is a $2,699 laptop, guys. That's a lot of laptop. That's a lot of laptop yeah. dollars. You know, back in 1996, that's, that's low price for a laptop. <laughs> That's true. You're not wrong. It's true. Hey, Josh. Hey, what? That was 20 years ago. Yeah, I know. But you know what? Everything <laughs> revolves around 1996 for me. It was, a, it was a big year. It was a good year for you. Yeah. It was. The, it's all uh, from there. The pricing Our laptops is, didn't weigh a pound. Has been. The pricing was co- is competitive, though. Uh, the MSI has their GT72S, which is $25.99. Um, it's a much thicker device. I think it's like eight-tenths of an inch thicker. Um but it shares pretty much the same specifications. Uh, it doesn't have a unibody design. It's plastic instead of metal. Uh, it has more USB ports. It had, what was the other difference, Ken? I'm trying to think 1080p display. It had a 1080p display instead of a 4K display. Obviously, you can de- determine if that's a, a positive or negative. Um, so it's, it is right in the area for this. And I think for kind of like the the styling you have with it um, and the kind of the the form of it as well as the design of it is it kind of it, it, I, I hate to say it justifies the price because gaming laptops are expensive I get it um, but all things considered it's in the right wheelhouse it's in the competitive space and it's a hell of a, a hell of a gaming laptop like it's 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 actually it's really really nice device and it's their first try at it um, they're 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 going to continue this upgrade path they're going to have a, another unit probably later in the year that'll have G-Sync they showed that at CES as well um, so that I, I was pretty impressed. I was actually pretty impressed uh, with what EVGA was able to build. So that's the SC17 review. You can check that out. And then uh, I'll quickly mention this, the EVGA 650-watt GQ power supply. I think Josh was the model for this one. Um, Obviously. Yep. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, we've actually reviewed the 750-watt GQ power supply. It's a slightly updated, and it's obviously a lower uh, a lower wattage part. It is a partially uh, uh, what do we call that? Uh, modular. Uh, there you go. Thank you. Partially modular power supply. You can see you've got your primary ATX, secondary ATX, and probably a PCIe coming out of it. Um, and then you've got your kind of modular connections uh, for the rest of that stuff. I don't really and have. I a bet pro- you that's an eco button. Uh, yep. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. I don't think I don't, we don't have a problem like. These partially modular power supplies, that's not a big deal, right? No, no because you're always going to use the big power cable. Why have that modular in the first place? Yep. And you're going to be losing anywhere from 10 to 20% uh, due to no. the c- connection versus no. solder. It's a lot. You're not losing that much. There's no way. Yeah. No. You're Well, you're, you're losing. I'm going to have Lee 
tell you you're wrong later. Okay. <laughs> so no, I, I remember talking to the PC power and cooling guys. Yeah, what year was that? Oh, back, back when they were a thing. Ninety six. Yeah. Yeah. They made and, vacuum and, cleaners, not power supplies. <laughs> they made the best damn power supplies on the planet. You put your tongue. Yeah. But fight, anyway, I mean, they said that, yeah, your modular is nice, but you lose some stuff. So, okay, the, I guess the example they gave to me is if we soldered it on there, we could have a cable length that was about three, three feet long, and we're not going to suffer huge resistance. But if we were to do make it modular, we would have to cut that cable length in half to have the same kind of output at the end just because of resistance. So, no, it's not 10 to 20 percent but it's a significant amount where it affects the actual design of the unit does that make sense yeah yeah no i mean yeah i will say it's that the highest, jump the, gap. the highest capacity power supplies on the market are fully modular the 600 yeah, and, watts are fully and, modular. and platinum rated at that right yeah. so like you don't get an well, 80 the wall you don't get an 80 plus platinum no it's a 80 plus platinum is the efficiency Right, it's how much power can the connectors, you know, can the connectors draw, you know, on an efficiency of the unit. It just seems like if it was such a big issue I, that when they need to draw all of the power out to get to sixteen hundred, then they would. If I were to guess, I would guess it's one percent. Maybe is the difference. Sounds like Lee's got to do another review. <sighs> Fine, because it kind of makes sense. Because if okay, the, one the connections are fairly inefficient. But, okay, say you're trying to deliver 5 volts to something, and you've got 5 volts at yep. the end of, of a cable. Mm-hmm. You know, how, how would that change if you don't do any kind of internal switching or adjustments, if you do modular? I don't know. It's an interesting question for, for Lee. It really I, actually I, If I were be. to guess, I, I would say, like, so cheaper power supplies tend to not do modular. It's it's obviously more expensive to not or to have modular. You've got to have plastic connectors. You've got the idea of having these separate cables you have to produce and, and kind of put in box with it. And, and then you have warranty issues of people plugging them into the wrong places maybe or, or stupid crap like that. Um, but I, I can't imagine it really changes much. Anyway, I, I will, I will uh, solicit feedback from appropriate parties, including our own Lee Garbit. On that exact thing. Uh, but in any event, if you're interested in reading his review of the EVGA 650-watt GQ power supply, you can find that at PCPer.com as of today. All right. Uh, and also, quickly, let's get into some to some news items here. I was going to bring it with me, but I don't have it. Logitech launched, uh, just like hours after our podcast ended last week, the G900 Chaos Spectrum Wireless Ambidextrous Mouse. Look at that thing. Look at that box. That is a box if I've ever seen it. It's amphibious. It's amphibious. It lives in both land and water. Don't put this mouse in the water, actually. Just don't turn it on. Well, I would also not put it in the water at all, period. Um, So a couple of things. It's ambidextrous. Apparently, Logitech gets lots of requests from that from the three left-handed people out there. I'm just kidding, guys. Oh, poor Scott. Just kidding. So sinister. So evil. The uh, uh, but I've actually been using this mouse uh, since three or four days before it launched, and I'm right-handed, and it works perfectly fine. As it turns out, it will in fact work with for both right-handed and left-handed people. Uh, a couple of interesting things: it's wireless. They're rated as a gaming mouse. That will mean uh, opposite things to some people. They did a lot of testing uh, to prove that the mouse was capable. As I was going to scroll down to the bottom here and bypass a couple of things, that the latency of a wireless mouse. 
this the blue bars here that they've measured latency of the G900 is better than the wired mice from SteelSeries and the Death Adder Chroma. Um, that is because of internal stuff that they have done, internal uh, controller logic that they have done. Um, they walk through their setup process and their testing process. And uh, they also did RF interference testing for wireless as well. You can compare. Here is <clears throat> the G900 when it's wired platform, uh, wireless with no uh, perturbator, otherwise known as interference. And then here it is with a lot of interference. You can see slight changes, but not much. But here, meanwhile, here's the Mamba 2015 with its wireless connectivity. Uh, I like slinkies. Wired, wireless, and then with a lot of interference, right? So obviously these are probably the ones that the results that make them look the best, but they're mentioning their uh, competitors by name. They're showing their testing process very specifically. So I tend to have, in general, a, a – I don't believe that they would lie that outright about it. So um, for even for serious gamers, they want to prove that the G900 is, is a good mouse, like for – Professional gaming wireless is not an issue. Uh, it charges through this USB port in the front. Notice these two little uh, cavities here on the side. That's actually uh, the USB cable I'll show you. will have little inserts that go into that to give it strength when you have it plugged in while it's charging so you can still use it. Um, it's, an, it's, a, it's a nice design. The buttons are, are have a, a pretty unique kind of hinge design where they're hinged more towards the base as opposed to where the button is. The um, uh, spring is actually... Uh, you're, you're pushing against the spring instead of with the spring in this instance, which, which changes some things around. Here's a USB cable. Um, there it is plugged in. So you get an idea. Because there's actually somebody in the comments complaining about, hey, the micro USB connector is not strong enough to use as a mouse every day. And clearly Logitech agreed uh, and put those little arms on either side that connect into the housing of the mouse itself. And what they kind of uh, you know recommend you do is this cable with the little uh, arms sits on top of your desk or it can sit on top of your desk and they give you this micro USB to full size USB adapter and then you put your wireless um, dongle if you will your wireless adapter in it so you're using it in a wireless mode the entire time but if you notice the battery is low but you don't want to wait for it to charge uh, you actually disconnect this whole piece you're making it a not wireless mouse anymore. You're disconnecting the wireless adapter from your PC uh, and you plug it into the cable and voila you actually have a wired Mouse. It actually shows up as a wired mouse. It's just not. It's not just a wireless mouse getting power. Uh, the but, other unique, but is the mouse fully satisfied by just the, the single penetration, or does it want the triple? It's triple. It's got to be triple. You, you can satisfy it with just one. It will get power, so to speak. Uh, but it will be more empowered. I bet if it has all three prongs. The other interesting thing the G900 does is the side buttons on it, um, where like you know your thumb would rest if you're a right-handed person or a left-handed person. Uh, those are interchangeable. So if you see here on the right-hand side of the mouse where my uh, pinky fingers and stuff would be, pinky finger I should say, just singular on that. Uh, there's kind of like this blank uh, uh, segment in place, no buttons to to be activated there. But if you remove it, it's just magnets that hold it in. You can see there's two switches right here and it comes with the pieces to add in the two additional switches so how do they work uh you push them no the magnets um they attract and then they detract okay and then they attract no, you just I, don't like the gigolo and me i no i don't know 
uh, <laughs> magnets, how do they work? So you can do that with either side, right? And they give you the, the panels and the buttons for both sides. So if you want no thumb buttons or pinky buttons, uh, you can do that. Uh, but if you want all four of them, you can you can do that as well. So it's it's kind of a neat little addition. It's expensive. It's 159 bucks, or I'm sorry, 149 bucks. Uh, but it is available now, I believe, or maybe it was, I think it was maybe early April. No, it says next week. So it's available now. Uh, it's it's expensive, but that's kind of in the in the right realm competitively. Uh, I have spent some, I, I've been using it for the last ten days or so and really like it. And I've only had to charge it once in that 10 days. So battery life on it is, I I should mention this, battery life they say will last 30, I think they said 32 hours of continuous motion, of continuous gaming. Motion. Or that. So, and that doesn't sound like a lot, especially if you're used to something like, uh, I don't know, one of the, you know, wireless mice meant for laptops where two AA batteries last for a year and a half. Um, but remember, this is a much higher powered sensor. It's it's doing a, a lot more processing on the mouse, um, and and the software gives you good notification ahead of time of, of when you're going to need to recharge. But the idea is you can fully charge it, take it with you for like a couple of days of gaming at a friend's house, and not worry about losing your cable. But the benefit of using micro USB is that if you did forget your cable and you needed it, basically anybody that has cell phones around uh, or anything else really will will have chargers for you. So that's an interesting reason. I saw somebody ask why they didn't use type C instead of uh, uh, micro, but so would you say you have average sized hands? Yes. Are you sure? Yes. Can you get a ruler? Uh, yes. The ruler says average. Allegedly. Is there another reason yeah. you need to know, Josh? No. Just current events. Yeah. Good, good answer. Good answer. Uh, UWP is a thing. Microsoft is a is a company. Whoop. Uh, Universal Windows Platform. We talked about this. I don't know if it was last week or two weeks ago. Whenever that all that jazz it's happened, like, it's been a month ago at this point. It's been a month ago. Something like that. Holy crap! Did they start out the conference with "Oop, there it is"? <laughs> no, but they should have. That'd have been good. They should have. Marketing fail. So Phil Spencer, the head of Xbox, was on stage at the Microsoft Build conference today. Um, which we'll, we'll mention a second story that's not on our list here that I want to I want to bring up uh, to talk about the UWP, the Universal Windows Platform. The idea that hey, there's these there are these games that are now on your PC, uh, like Gears of War Ultimate Edition, that are restricted. You can't disable VSync. You can't go. Uh, you can't enable G-Sync or FreeSync. Uh, we can't properly test performance. It doesn't support overlays. Um, we base- hate modders. We, we, we hate modders, all that stuff. And I guess, Jeremy, that Phil Spencer kind of came up and said, yeah, we're going we're gonna to change some of that stuff. Oh, wow. You guys hate us for saying all of this? Well, maybe we're going to backtrack a little bit and, you know, we'll, we'll let you disable VSync. We'll, we'll think about bringing G-Sync and FreeSync in. Well, actually, no, we're going to do that. We'll think about letting you do modding and overlays. We're not going to give you a date or anything, but you know we're just realizing that we aren't really liking the taste of our own feet right now because we've got so many of them shoved in our mouth right now. So we're going to back off a little bit. It's still going to be really hard sell to get uh, developers to, to play with UWP unless they lock the platform down, in which case they may well see the migration that we hear everyone saying because of Windows 10. Because 
there are choices out there and trying to lock this down and suggesting that, oh, well, you know, you should buy both of our devices, a, a Windows machine and an Xbox, because some games are more suited towards one or the other. So the, the, the RTS is, you know, we're just going to do those for just, just you know, the, the PC gamers, even though, you know, the Xbox has mouse and keyboard capability. And uh, apparently Halo 5. Yeah, no, that's that's for the console guys. Sorry, PC guys, you know, go out and buy one. They're walking a thin tight line. If they can pull it off, which, hey, Microsoft has been around for a long time, doing very well, may well find a way to do. Yep. On the other hand, if they just tee off too many people, uh, th- th- there's this large guy over here with a copy of Half-Life 3 that no one else has saying, well, maybe if you come <laughs> over here and, you know, come on, come on, come on. Come on, kids. I got a white unmarked van that has free candy in there. No? Yes. Did I take I'm that in. too far? Or did no, Jeremy just drop? No, I didn't drop, but uh, my microphone <laughs> popped out. It, it felt good. So I thought that my joke again. bombed so incredibly terribly, even Jeremy was offended. <laughs> good no. luck with that. Yeah, I don't yeah. think that would happen. Yeah. Yeah. So it's going to be interesting to see what they do uh, with this unified Windows platform over the coming months, maybe a year or two. It's It's got to be a hard sell when you've got some really big developers saying it's got to die. Not Not even... Not even just innuendo, like flat out saying, UWP has to die. Yeah, he's been saying a lot of things have to die this the is past true. couple of weeks. Yeah. They, they did say May for disabling VSync, yeah. uh, FreeSync, and G-Sync support. I don't know if multi-GPU was supposed to be in May or not. But uh, they I talk, don't remember, no. They talked a lot about Windows Anniversary Edition, which is this summer's big release of Windows 10. I think we're going to see a lot more of this than that. They're really because, I mean, that is one thing edition? is that... Yeah. Sorry. It's a bad name. Right. Yeah, it really is. But it's like Windows 98 Second Edition. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Windows 98 SE. SE. It's the second coming. It's iPhone SE. <gasps> well, that one, not maybe. <laughs> nice. Nice. So, Josh, do you have any thoughts on this? I mean, this is all good news, right? Like... This is what we want. We want Microsoft to fix the things that we complain about. Yes. It's hard to it's hard to continue to bitch if like they say, Okay, look, fine, we screwed up, May, you'll have this, this, and this. As long as they actually deliver on it, um, you can still say, Hey, you should have known about this beforehand because like these are all customers okay, of yours. If we look at the OS level, there there has been some philosophical changes at Microsoft yeah. in between from what we saw with Windows seven to Windows 8, 8.1, and now what they're doing with Windows 10, we have some pretty major updates that they're pushing forward that uh, typically in the past they would have waited for SP1 that would be like a year, year and a half uh, after the release of, of the operating system. And they had pretty concrete plans for each OS and what they were going to do, and it took nearly an act of God to get them to change <laughs> any of their directions. <laughs> and it seems that they're attempting to be more agile, and maybe I'm misreading the situation, but if they're getting enough negative feedback, and, and Phil Spencer comes on and says, uh, we're going to change a few things, and by May you're going to see some differences here, I think that's a good thing, because 
um, they've got a virtual stranglehold on desktop OS. I mean, sure, our, our friend Ben Stone would, would be mad at us and probably is all the time, but that's, you know, Ben. But, you know, Linux is, is nowhere near to being a, a viable desktop for the average person. I mean, they've gotten better, but you still don't have the rapid change that could be enabled by a, a very focused software group. And it seems like Microsoft is, is trying to be a whole lot more focused and react to their customers rather than saying, hey, this is set in stone. Right. And unless we get so much backlash that it's going to cause us big problems in the future and we're going to change some, they're more willing to make adjustments, more willing to provide significant updates uh, sooner than in the typical SP1 launches. Agreed. I, I yeah I I I'm I'm glad for this. I, I'm talking with some people. I I really believe that internally they understand what got jacked the, up. The other so. interesting demo they showed along with yeah. this is they took Witcher. They took Witcher two. People oh, thought it was Witcher yeah. three, but it's Witcher that two. That was actually cool. And pass it through a converter and made a UWP app, and it still had the Steam overlay in it. It still had Steamworks in it. So that was it. They announced support for overlays coming in the future. They didn't, well, that's not a May thing, right? Uh, no, there was no date for the overlays. Like, this story isn't specifically the overlay. It's that they took a regular 132 game, mm-hmm. a full DirectX, that was probably a DX9 game, Witcher 2. Probably. Uh, like a full, a huge project, put it through their little converter shim, and it was running as a UWP app. Okay. An interesting thought. So, yeah. so it, it in theory will make it easier for developers to put their games multiple places. Because right. as much as we love Steam, it has a monopoly over all of this stuff. And Valve could yep. do, Valve could do something crappy one day, and then what would we do? You're right. Yeah. So it's, it's nice to have us. But does Microsoft have to come from the exact opposite side of the scale, where they just do crappy things, but they might do something good one day? Got to cover like, both ends. Can we get in the middle here, guys? <laughs> Please. Oh man, uh, yeah. Oh, and the other thing that they showed was Bash working on Windows, like yep. Linux in Windows. Linux in your Windows. 2016 is the year of the Linux desktop, as it turns out. But it just happens to be in Windows 10. <laughs> Windows 10 is now the biggest install base for Linux in the world. Yeah. Uh, yep. I, I we don't really need to go into it, but I thought it was really impressive the demos, the demo video that we saw yeah. earlier. Uh, I just can't wait to ls minus l all of my file directories. Uh, so so it's don't, not just. Don't they have Cyanogen already running? Is that you're thinking what of I'm Sigwin. thinking of? What you're thinking of Sigwin? Yes. Yep. Sorry. So well, this... it's a Cyanogen mod for Win. Anyway. No, Cyanogen mod was a thing like ten years after Sigwin. Okay, sorry. Cyanogen mod is the Android ROM thing. Oh, okay. Yes. No, no, yeah. So, so this isn't just necessarily a bash shell. It is a full Ubuntu Linux kernel from Canonical, who does Ubuntu. They're the corporate yep. overlords. Running on top of Windows 10, not in a VM, not under a hypervisor. Native right raw there. Yeah. So it's got, That's what's impressive. It's got all of the tools that you'd find in a stock Ubuntu install. You can app get install apps. You can run GCC and compile code and then Hello run it world it's you can kill processes it's so strange happens. and it has access to the windows file system so yeah. you can still like it's essentially having a linux computer and a windows computer all in it's right. essentially having a linux computer that can you can use explorer and win 32 apps on 
Right. Which Sigwin, is amazing. Uh, Sigwin was, as I look on Wikipedia, it was a DLL and an API compatibility layer, right? Yeah, uh, it, it did some weird stuff and never quite worked yeah. right. Um, it was originally developed by Cygnus Solutions, which was later acquired by Red Hat. Uh, but we don't have to read Wikipedia. But I thought it was really cool as somebody that only uses Linux, like, not even tertiarily, whatever comes out, whatever the term for fourth, fourth, <laughs> fourth layerly. Right. Quartinary. Uh, only when I really, really, really have to. Um, and I'm actually hopeful that this might lead me into like using a little bit more yeah. for other utilities. <clears throat> like batch scripts suck. If I can bat scripts suck, but if I can write bash scripts to do some functionality yeah. on Windows and scripting things that I want to do, you can grep now. I can grep all I want. Grep minus R. Uh, pipe. Uh, PCPer.com and look for all the files. I don't. It, I don't know. It, it's Linux weird. Anymore. It's kind of like reverse wine. So they're translating yeah. the <laughs> Linux calls into Windows calls. Yeah, and it, it's yep. it's weird. Yep. I like. Yeah, it. Usually, I don't like reverse wine. <laughs> usually, so, yeah. Usually, is that, that, is that like butt wine? <laughs> usually, piss. that is. A, it's all piss. <laughs> I was thinking more throwing up, but that's fine. Oh, you guys okay. go. You guys go your way. Uh, Asus Echelon GTX 950 Limited Edition in Arctic Camouflage. Echelon. What's with all? Hey, the usually, ni- you got to buy DLC to get that, right? What's with all the 950 stuff, guys? Like, I don't know. Like, I don't know. A lot really of people weird. latched onto this today, and it's kind of weird. There's a special edition 950, like a weird one-off 950. Did Nvidia finally go? Damn it! We have way too many of these GPUs sitting unsold. I, I think they just wanted to get on top of the amanitized the echelon. Uh, yeah, but but you don't know what that means. I don't. That's okay. It's yeah, it's a strange, okay. complex philosophical term. Okay, thank you. Did, so they but just released a nine fifty that didn't require a power connector, right? Like a few weeks ago. Yeah. So this requires a power connector. But it also features, quote, auto extreme technology, mm-hmm. which is I, Asus marketing speak for high end capacitors, chokes, and other components. Auto extreme technology. Yeah, definitely not never, definitely not mil spec components. No, 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 no. It looks cool. I just, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm it's, just. It's I'm overclocked just a bit. Yeah, is it? Okay. Like a little bit. Much? A little bit. Uh, I don't know. Hundred and sixty ish. Hundred and eighty dollars uh is what Tim, I think, yeah, wrote this up, thinks he is estimating it will be based on its kind of price over uh uh reference cards. But it may or you know, basic cards. But it may like I said, the only I don't know, the the resurgence of the nine fifty is odd to me. I don't know if there was some reasoning for it. I'd be curious if anybody has Yeah, because at that, that price you can get a R nine three eighty and it's mm-hmm. significantly faster. Is it? Okay. Yeah. 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 I mean, the 950 came out in August of 2015. It wasn't really a good part when it came out in August of 2015. Yeah. Like it was, it, it was, it was oddly too placed. expensive for the performance. That, yeah. That, like, it was oddly placed. G- a GM206 part. Yeah, that know. was a thing. Yeah. All right. So there's that. Uh, our last bit of news here is kind of – it's interesting – so we get to the price, but we'll talk about the not price first. Acer Predator Z850 gaming projector, uh, a mobile monitor. Jeremy wrote this up. What what is interesting about this other than its wicked angles and coloring? Well, honestly, I, one of the things that I don't mind at all about it, people are going to hate. The resolution is 1920 by 720. 
So it's wide enough for you, but it's not big enough numbers. That's a 24 by 9 aspect ratio, I think we should point yeah, out, which is unique. Yeah. It's, it's significantly wider than you've ever seen. But what blows me away is that, that this thing will project that at 120-inch uh, size on your wall, whatever you've got, at a distance of 18 and a half inches. So closer than you're probably sitting to your monitor right now. That yeah. is insane. That's a pretty short throw. Like that that is a ridiculously short throw yeah, and for insane. 120 inches, not bad at all. And the good news is it has composite input. It does. <laughs> and two HDMIs and two VGAs. What's so, what's the why is the, 24 by 9 Cinemascope? I, I don't it, yeah, it I think could that's, be. Yeah. That rings a bell. It's but DLP then again, 3D so ready. does DLP 3D So you can ready. watch Lawrence of Arabia <laughs> in its original <laughs> aspect. I, I think it's like Super 16 happen. Cinemascope or something like that. Yeah. Some weird film aspect ratio. So it's using a, uh, a, a laser. It Friggin uses laser. a laser diode. Laser diode provides 100,000 to 1 contrast ratio and 3,000 lumens of brightness. Which that, is That's a lot of lumens. That's, that's yeah. a lot, right? Like, you could like probably use this in a fully lit room, then. <laughs> you, you could use probably use this outdoors. <laughs> <laughs> now, the problem with this is what, Jeremy? Well, you know, it's, it's going to run you a little bit more than your average 120-inch monitor. <laughs> it's five grand. Yeah, forty nine. And that is that throw. <laughs> that throw though. That throw. That throw. <laughs> the throw, it's it's even got a serial port on it. Ooh. So I was gonna ask what that other that third VGA. That's an RS two thirty two. Okay. Yep. Just cause. And the other nice thing uh, about using the lasers is you can just fire this up, use it, turn it off, throw it in your bag and walk away. Yeah, yeah, no Anyone who's used about. a light bulb projector knows. As long as you like buying a lot of bulbs, that's okay. But other than that, you cannot do that. Yeah. So Ooh, is that a Kensington lock? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. You lock it to your your uh, MS or your EVGA. That's why. Uh, that's why they monitor. have two locks on the EVGA. <laughs> right. You can lock so you it can to your laptop. Your... Okay. Exactly. I'm with you now. Oh man, what Everything if you got three sense. of these in Affinity? But I mean, honestly, if you look at HD projectors, this is sort of within the price range of what you see for these small form factor, really, yeah. really short throw projectors. I think the resolution is going to scare a lot of people off. Yeah, because they it'll just also see the do 720p. Oh, really? uh, you can buy a little wireless device uh, so that you can hook it up to your in your living room to do TV, and it'll do 1080p at the proper aspect ratio. Because otherwise, you're going to have lots of black bars on your movies. When you say it'll do 1080p, you mean it will project at the right aspect ratio, but it's still like it it's downsampling it. There, now, right? see, the PR didn't fully cover this, and I Weird. couldn't find anything online that would straighten that out, but they did brand it as 1080p, which brings with it certain connotations. Pair it with an optional wireless HD kit to enable 1080p lossless wireless streaming. Exactly. It says lossless. So- it would hard to be lossless and then have a downsample at the display. That, and the other question I had, which I didn't see anything for, is uh, how does upscaling work on this? Because, oh, you don't like that resolution? Well, both AMD and NVIDIA offer uh, super scaling and upscaling, so... You don't think it's transmitting from the projector to something else, do you? Like wireless HD from an input going into the projector to a monitor somewhere else? Oh, why die? 
right? No, like that, you, get, I don't you, see get, like you feed it a 1080p source into the projector, and then it can wirelessly HD pass it to like a screen. Why would somewhere? you ever want to? I do don't know, that. but I'm trying to figure out like how you have a 1080p lossless wireless streaming when your resolution of your projector is 1920 by 720. It's something by 720. Whatever it happens to be by 720. I don't understand how that works. It has to be yeah. scaling it. Yeah, you can still it's, scale and be lossless. I really, really, really want to try this. I have no experience with projectors, right? But I've often wanted to have experience with no. projectors. We've we've got a sheet right here that's a green. We screen. got a green screen, perfect for projectors. Wait, wait, yeah. Wait. Um. So hopefully, I can convince Acer to send me one, and I can mess around with it. I, I think it will be too expensive for pretty much everybody. But uh, I, I'm I'm interested in, in I, I, it's. I saw this thing and I said, you know, that's one of the cooler little short throw projectors I have seen in quite a while. Yeah, yeah, agreed, agreed. All right, let's get into our hardware software. A quick, quick question for Ken. Oh yes, please. What's what's H top? Oh, well, you know what top is in Bash? No, top is how you view running processes. Mm-hmm. Okay, H top oh, yeah. is a better version of that. It's hot and so you're top. running that on. You could run that Windows. on Windows, probably. Uh, nice. I, wonder if you, I wonder if top works. I wonder if you can see the Windows processes. You might not be able to. I don't know. That seems you might cool. just see protected process. That, yeah. that seems pretty. Yeah. Yeah. Just one that says no. <laughs> one that says Windows. F U L I N X. All right, hardware software picks. This is mine. This is interesting. Actually, I left the damn cable over there. So, uh, if you ever had uh, heat shrink tubing, tube sleeving, wrap cable wire, five color, eight size. So heat- yeah, I had to go to the emergency room for that. <clears throat> if you if you're using heat shrink tubing in all the wrong places, um, heat shrink tubing. If you don't know what it is, is if you if you if you've done any kind of solder work between two cables, you have or, or any kind of anything like that. Really, you put this tubing on. You use a heat gun. It kind of it compresses it. It shrinks it. And it creates a kind of a protective seal around whatever, whether that be a solder joint or, or something else that you're that you that you've done. Um, and so this is ten bucks for five hundred and thirty pieces of this stuff, um, and it comes in all colors and shapes and sizes, right? Depending on what what you're trying to do. Ooh, and it does have a, uh, a, a patent. Patent. You are best. Oh, sorry. Well, is that a trademark? Yeah, or patent? What is, you are best. Patent and trademark office. Well. Uh, what's that say? Yoon Fook Inc. Go, go to the left. It's a trademark. <laughs> oh, well, that doesn't need to be on here at all. Yoon Fook Inc. Um, so you fucking assholes! <laughs> you need this, and you need a heat gun. I don't think a hair dryer is going to get the job done for you. Eh. You think it might if you leave it there long enough? You can, you you can use your stove; up. it'll get the job done eventually. Ah, uh, right. It, the reason I bring this up is we actually used this. Alan used it recently. Like we had a. Uh, <laughs> an Apple lightning cable that, as with every lightning cable that has ever existed for more than six months, uh, frays at the end where it connects to your phone because you have this really uh, fixed, sharp-edged piece of plastic, and then you have this rubber thing that just bends back and forth on that sharp edge of plastic over and over as you plug it in and move it around. So everything gets frayed. We had one that was basically like... 
a full inch of separation and you can see like uh, all the exposed kind of silver wire and stuff inside there and the shielding and whatnot. Um, and so Alan took a piece of this shrink tubing, slid it over the connector uh, and basically heat gunned it so that it was at least protected after that. And we didn't have to worry about replacing that particular cable anymore. So that was nice. Um, and I bet you could find uh, several uses for that type of stuff. Uh, with with heat shrink tubing, like I said, you can get 530 pieces of it. You'll probably never need another piece of heat shrink tubing in your life. It's 10 bucks on Amazon, uh, and it's you are best, and they have a trademark on that. So I think you should support them in their efforts <laughs> of trademarking the you are best uh, <laughs> set of stuff. I guess. Pro tip: slide the heat shrink over the cable before you splice them together to solder them. Yeah, otherwise you have to get the hose. It's a bit difficult to get over after the fact. Otherwise you've done screwed up. This is very true. Uh, Jeremy. Okay, so another insane product that I just ran into today and just recently found out there's going to be a keyboard paired with this in a review from uh, another site. Bloody is a mouse manufacturer and they've made the Bloody ML160 Commander Laser Gaming Mouse which gives you the full power of a numpad under your middle finger. <laughs> because wow. that's the thing. That's the biggest FU I've ever seen. <laughs> I, I'm sorry, but this Unless is... you're right hand, left-handed. <laughs> yeah, I don't think this one's amphibious. I You'll get really good with it, your ring finger. Wow. It gets no, that's better. middle finger. It gets better. Not the way I your middle These finger goes on the wheel. Strings. These yeah. don't use switches. They use infrared micro switches <laughs> for every so. It's, it, there's not a physical switch under there. It's it's an infrared beam mapping distance huh. for not only the buttons but the mouse wheel. Because the mouse wheel, if you go to one of the front views, it is fully free and just spins. It, it is not actually embedded at all, so you can just spin it from the very bottom of the front all the way to the back. Huh. It it is utterly freaking bizarre and, and hey it may well turn out to be a great thing i'm just trying to get past the numpad lady dada look at that it's like someone glued a, a like championship ring onto that mouse yeah it, it, it's pretty much got a, a super bowl ring just sort of glued onto the side <laughs> that's of that's awesome actually and it's bloody uh can i also you can, by bloody can i can i go back to the fact that ken says he uses his middle thing his ring finger for the second yeah, mouse he's, click he's He's a mutant. What? That's way wrong. How? Who uses their ring finger for the for the second click? I, I, my, just don't my, tell my, us what you use for the thumb. My button. index, <laughs> my index finger is on the left mouse button. Yep, my be. middle that, finger that, is on the scroll wheel. No, fingers. No, no finger permanently rests on the scroll wheel. Why not? No finger. No. Incorrect. No finger permanently rests on a scroll wheel. Leave well, a comment for red scroll wheel. Leave a comment to tell me how you hold your mouse. Leave a comment, subscribe, and like to tell me just how you don't hold your mouse. Any pictures. Eh, eh, well, you know, whatever. Eh. I'm open for anything. All right, Josh. I'm <laughs> Josh, I'm excited oh, for your pick. What do you got? Uh, you know what? Turn the volume down. You being a Star Wars guys, this was a great title back in 1998. Again, it'll run on modern hardware. Rogue Squadron. Just because Ooh. next this what this next year we're getting Rogue Squadron the movie. Yep. Yep. So this will get you prepared. And if you missed having mists in your 3D worlds, like think Turok and anything else that you didn't want to go beyond a certain draw distance, this has got plenty of it. 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. This is 1998. It looked great at the time. Factor 5, well. Bro. Played this many hours because, you know, it was... It was this was N64, 3D. right? 3D, man. N64 and PC at launch. It came out on PC, too? It came out on at PC. At launch? At yeah. the same time? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Did it really? Yeah. Yeah, they used to the video. Because uh, it didn't continue. The next. Minute. Oh, there you go. See? Look, Damn. the mists. But look at the, the surfaces. They look pretty good for being 1998. Look There's how rounded they are. There's literally nothing on them. Well, exactly. You know. Look at did the draw. Did you not see that look, hut? Did look, you see Jabba's that hut? Palace. It just popped up. Like, you had to be seven feet from it, but it was there. Like, I remember playing yeah, this a lot. I'm I played this on the you. Don't you ruin this for me, Ryan. This I played is a this on the game. 64. No, X Wing versus Tide Fighter. This is a game. It's a good game. I played through it. I like how they just have 28 random seconds of game footage. Well, Don't they didn't make that's trailers. Not what the game. Look, look at that draw distance on that screen. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it was just it was a sandstorm. Oh man. Oh man. Maybe it should be a five dollar game <laughs> instead of ten. But yeah. still. Yeah. Yeah. Memories. That. Look at that. You can't look. The the uh, uh, the Death Star like it just stops right yeah. there. Like there's no Black. Death Star. No. Yep. Okay. Ten bucks, huh? Oop, yep. Yep. I don't remember that <laughs> level at all. This is a big planet destroyer. I just remember I remember that I remember that cartridge very specifically for the Nintendo. There system. were a lot of like uh escort missions in that game. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there was a lot of babysitting. Yeah. Well, like Wing Commander, bro. Right. Yep. <laughs> a lot of babies sitting in that. Too. Uh, all right, everybody. That is going to round up the show for today. Uh, thank you, everybody, for joining us. Um, I I don't really have a plan of what's going on for the next week. Uh, GTC, Nvidia's GTC Technology GPU Technology Conference is next week. Uh, rumors are that the next GTX 1080 and GTX 1070 will launch with Pascal there. I'm gonna guess not, um, but you never know. Because they sure as hell ain't going to be able to ship anything. Yeah, you know, if they announce something, it'll be... I don't know, what do they usually do at GTC? Here's well, the giant version of the chip for Tesla. Well, well, Jensen's going to come up there with a thing that has wood screws in it. <laughs> and he's going to show it. Yeah, I'm sure for, right? I'm for sure they'd do that again. For sure, yeah. again. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so we'll cover that. Uh, obviously, that keynote is on Tuesday, so we'll have that. Uh, uh, we'll be watching that live stream and writing up news and stuff for that. Uh, and then VR stuff and builds and computers and testing and hardware and things. So we'll be back next week with a uh, another riveting episode of the PC Reflective Podcast. I'm Ryan Shroud. I'm Jeremy Holstrom. I'm Josh Walbright. And I'm Alan Bye. Yeah, Cartman. Yeah.